Welcome to another episode of The Throne Room with Beth Tarasi, where we will cover briefly the news. In the news, as my old friend Steve Kelly once said, there have been lots of rioting and protesting. And for the feedback topic this week, I want you to tell me what's been going on in your neck of the woods regarding the riots, the protests, and any curfews that might be in place. Please do not talk about the fact that you either support or don't support Black Lives Matter. I personally support the Black Lives Matter movement because, well, I'm probably black. I don't know if my bio dad was black, but um, there's a lot of storied history that goes into that. But, But this week's topic will not be the Black Lives Matter movement because there's plenty of news on that. There's plenty of things that can keep you informed on the latest with the riots and the protests. Um, By the time this is published, we will have had some pretty interesting things happening out of this world, though. I'm going to be talking about space this week. So this week is a really out-of-this-world kind of thing, and we're going to be talking about the SpaceX rocket launch this week, and I'm going to talk about my memories of shuttle launches in the past and the worst shuttle launches that I ever experienced. It had to do with the Columbia disaster and I'm gonna talk a little bit about where I was when all that went down. And to be quite honest, I'm gonna also talk about things we can improve in the space program. And there are a lot of things we need to improve about the space program. Anyway, um, and there will also be a little bit of feedback at the end, so thanks. Uh, for tuning in. Thank you so much. And I was going to do an intro to this whole thing earlier when Trenton's phone was yakking away in my vicinity. And I had to announce that basically he had gotten the wrong channel and his phone was turned on and it was, he didn't know that his phone was on or that his, his Bluetooth thing was connected to the wrong channel I had to direct him to do it in the right channel, and I guess he had forgotten what he had done. And I said, well, your phone was yakking away because you were controlling the phone through the keyboard because I could tell what he was doing. And, you know, it almost, it was an almost interruption. I had to take care of it, but we got it. We're on board. On with the podcast. Before we get any further into the space program topic, I'd like to talk about how the space program has affected my life and the lives of countless other people. Now, a lot of people might tell you the story of the space program in our history as it all began with Sputnik. Well, I think for me, it all begins really with the shuttle. Now, the Russians did indeed begin doing space exploration before the Americans did, but I think the most American accomplishment we've ever been able to do was not the Mercury or the Gemini programs, but the Apollo program. And I will discuss the Apollo 13 movie later on, and I kind of wish we could do a background Like, I would like to put the Apollo 13 soundtrack in the background, but that would not really be appropriate for this podcast. And, um, I'm going to be honest, though. The Apollo program had its ups and downs. There were three astronauts that got killed in Apollo 1. And then the Challenger accident, that was when I was just a baby, okay? Actually, I don't even think I was born when Challenger blew up. But there was a very powerful statement that someone made. It said something to the effect of, Oh, they left the surely bonds of Earth to touch the face of God. And it was a very powerful statement by then, I believe it was Reagan. Ronald Reagan was the president when he made that statement. Might have been either, it's either Reagan or Bush, one of those two. But somebody made that statement 
about the Challenger astronauts and when they when they blew up, when the astronauts and the shuttle well the astronauts were killed, and the shuttle blew up and everything. I think that was a really great way to put it. You know, they left the Shirley Bonds of Earth to touch the face of God. I thought that was very very powerful statement. And that was the very same statement echoed in the Columbia disaster. Now, I'm going to go ahead and talk about the space program as it pertains to my whole life. My father, the one who adopted me, not the biological one, but we will just say he is my dad for all intent and purpose because he's the only one I was able to get raised by as a proper father figure, okay? But I don't really think of him as a father figure because of personal reasons, and I'm not going to go into those here. Not on this podcast. But David Tarasi was an aerospace engineer, still is, but he worked at Kennedy Space Center for years and years. And all the shuttles he worked on were part of his thing. He had Endeavor as basically, he worked on the shuttle Endeavor and he did some work on Columbia. He was also called out to California to talk about, you know, and help design some experimental planes, which did not really take off. The X-33 project was canceled before it could really take off. But dad was part of those big things. He actually... Um, sent me a couple of night shirts when he went to California. And I remember clearly he had given me night shirts that said Lockheed Martin Skunk Works, Palmdale, California. That's where he was working. And he did lots of different projects, lots of different things. And then he ended up in managerial capacities and whatnot and da 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 Why am I talking about David Tarasi's work? Because... I kind of wish he had been able to design the moon rockets that will take a woman to the moon today. Now, that's one of the improvements I think the space program could make. But I think the biggest improvement we need to make is one of the things that Elon Musk is doing. Well, I think Elon Musk is not as crazy as one would think. But I do think he needs to, first of all, pick a more sensible name for his baby. (laughs) I won't even go into the TMZ-style bullcrap about poor Elon Musk and his little baby, but we do need to talk about the space program because Elon is in charge of SpaceX, which is a company, a private company, mind you, that managed to launch two astronauts into outer space on United States soil this past Sunday. And you know, honestly, I wasn't expecting it to go up. Actually, no, it was last Saturday. Um, Bob Bob Bankin and Doug Hurley are the astronauts that are up there at the International Space Station. Bob and Doug launched in a, it was, it's a Dragon SpaceX thing attached to a Falcon 9 rocket thingy. And the, the Crew Dragon, that was a really successful launch. I don't think my dad had anything to do with this at all, (laughs) sadly. But it did bring back a lot of memories of launches past. Now, Columbia, the disaster was awful. I was supposed to have been practicing piano stuff, and I was kind of more busy with my studies. When I heard that we lost contact with the shuttle Columbia, then it split over the Texas sky, and I was like, what the fuck happened here? And, excuse my language, but really, I was like, what in the hell happened here? My dad did not, I don't think my dad truly understood, though. This is one of the dangers the space program needs to eliminate. I don't want to see any more people get killed up there in the outer space. And how the hell are we going to land Bob and Doug? We got to make sure those guys are back here safely. And especially, we might even have to take a couple cosmonauts down... I don't know how we're going to do this, but we need to land people safely. That includes having the heat shields fixed and repaired on the Falcon 9 thigamajig. So what we need to do is um, we might have to revert back to some of the old time things, old timey things we did with the Apollo project. I'll tell you something we did do with the Apollo project. Um... 
if you watch Apollo 13, pretty much every single movement of the Apollo rockets that are portrayed there is accurate. Now, I'll explain what life was like in the Apollo astronauts uh, habitation thing. It was kind of weird. One, astronauts had to use diapers a lot. Now, the diapers were the only way they could dispose of solid waste. And there was actually a scene in Apollo 13 that perfectly captures this example. The guy says, oh, Constellation Urine. What he's really referring to is they had to throw their solid waste out into space instead of holding it in a sewer canal or something of that nature like they did with the shuttles. Now, the shuttles, I think, were a lot more sanitary. I agree with a lot of people would say like, oh, so the shuttles had toilets. They did have toilets. But something else that strikes me about space and doing things in outer space that kind of bugs me and strikes me as weird is the astronauts would eat something called freeze-dried food and they would drink Tang. A lot of Tang. Now, I love Tang. I've actually drank the stuff and I really like that Tang in the pouch. That's actually the perfect drink for astronauts because one, it doesn't bubble up and float out of the sack. You can just hold the sack in your hand you have a straw, and all you have to do is suck through it. I have no problem doing that, okay? The other thing that astronauts have to remember, and this is something they do in their training, I kind of did a little bit of this too. Well, I didn't really do it, but astronauts do not need table manners in outer space. I imagine that Bob and Doug were probably tossing carrots around in the air while they were eating, you know, space, and they had to catch the food in their mouths. Because, let's face it, there's no friggin' gravity in outer space. So you have to pretty much catch the food in your mouth, and you have to literally float around the room looking for everything you need. And floating around the room is not always a good idea. Uh, Something that people should know when you first get into outer space I'll talk about this in the Apollo 13 movie as well. Um, I'll just go ahead and spoiler alert. You'll see that two of the astronauts actually ended up vomiting in outer space. Did you know that NASA has a special plane on which this film was actually done? Now, they've done this plane. They use this plane for a lot of things. It's called the Vomit Comet. NASA's plane, the Vomit Comet, is it's a special plane and it flies a parabolic arc in the air, which literally gives you the feeling of being weightless. And astronauts would train on that thing all the time. So they have to train on how to eat, how to sleep. And sleeping, that's an interesting one too. We watched a movie a lot in my house called The Dream is Alive. And there would be these like astronauts hooked up by Velcro. Thank God for the guy who invented Velcro, I must say. Um, The beds that the astronauts use are Velcro. They have to put the... I don't know if they lie down horizontally or do they sleep more vertically and stuff. I don't know what they're doing now, but as far as I'm concerned, what they did was they would float to their bed, obviously, and the astronauts would have to strap themselves into their beds every night when they slept. The beds were hooked up to Velcro units on the wall. That's how they would sleep. And another thing to keep in mind, astronauts on spacewalks still have to wear diapers. Now I know why Lisa Nowak used those because she was, well, that was just crazy, but I won't go into that. I do kind of feel bad for Lisa, but, you know, the astronaut core graduates of the next generation aren't going to be as weird and out there. I don't know what astronauts think in their spare time, but a love triangle is the least of my problems. But, um, of course, there's also some things that NASA probably should have been watching a little bit more. And my dad is smart. I mean, he's not stupid. He would not write someone 
a love letter in his work email. That's just stupid, okay? That's really a stupid idea, and I won't go into that case much. But I think the astronaut corps is watched a little bit too much. Here are the improvements I think the space program could make, which would make space more accessible to more people. I know we want to go to the moon. I say we put a woman on the moon, like I kind of hinted at before. The moon goddess Artemis would be extremely proud. If such a goddess is worshipped by many people, I think it would be really cool to have a woman on the moon. And I think we need to have a woman who is both a graduate of the astronaut corps and possibly a med student or somebody that knows how to take care of themselves on the moon. And I think Jim Lovell would probably be like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> but uh, Jim Lovell's book, Lost Moon, is where Apollo 13 comes in. But I'm not, the, the new Apollo or the new moon program, I think we need to call this Project Artemis because of the goddess of the moon. And that would be really a nice idea for the, for the moon project. But I'm going to tell you something. If anybody wants to do a moonwalk, it has to be a woman this time. No more of these men. And you know, honestly, I think I've got the perfect candidate. Um, there's that, I think Christina Kocher and Jessica What's-Her-Face. Either one of those girls could get on the moon. And they took the first all-female spacewalk. And Jessica and Christina are very good friends. So either one of those girls might work. Because I think those ladies might be able to do some serious stuff on the moon. They could collect rock samples and they could, you know, make a nice powerful speech. But okay, Neil Armstrong already did it, so I'm not going to say it. But his famous words were, one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. I don't know about a small step, Neil. I know he's dead, but really. (laughs) I don't know about a small step for man. I think that it, it, it is a giant leap, I must admit, but that was a big step for mankind. I might have said it like this. Tranquility base here, the eagle has landed. Um... That's one big step for womankind. Artemis, you got me. You know, something like that. Because Artemis was the the goddess of the moon. And, you know, there are some pagans who do worship her. And honestly, Artemis would be the perfect name for our project, the moon project. So then we would have like an Artemis 1, Artemis 2, Artemis whatever. We need to keep the names of the rockets to Artemis or some kind of moon. And of course, we'd name them the Lunar Commander modules or whatever we want to. But um, my brother went to space camp and supposedly he had the energy of a Saturn V rocket. But face the facts, people. We don't need a Saturn V rocket. But what we do need is a reusable rocket. We got that in the Falcon 9. But if we're going to go to the moon... There are a lot of improvements that need to be made to make it more accessible and fun for all the astronauts that are going up there. One, I said we need to put a woman on the moon. Two, how about we put a blind person on the moon as well? Woman or man, but the blind person cannot be, you know, simply a graduate of the Army, Navy, or Air Force. It has to be an ordinary person, a civilian who can be trained to do simple astronaut things. And I can do that. Mind you, I betcha I could do all that stuff. And I want to make sure that all other blind folks are aware that if they want to be part of this experience with space, you can't be freaking out over gravity or lack thereof. You have to understand that table manners are a no-no And who knows how we're going to be able to dispose of solid wastes. 
But those aren't the only things you're going to have to worry about. You also have to be able to not freak out over zero, five, whatever Gs. We can't have a pregnant woman in space because the Gs will hurt the fetus anyway. I mean, you know how many roller coasters and simulators say that, you know, pregnant women should not ride and all this and da-da-da. I think that's just the worst. That's the worst. When somebody gets on those roller coasters and they're pregnant... I think one girl died on the Kumba. There was some kind of story about that, but the same thing applies with space. I am not going to space unless A, I'm not pregnant, B, I'm, you know, able to train, and C, another thing the space program could improve upon is find more ports of call for spaceships and rockets that don't involve Florida because of the nasty weather, because like... (laughs) The thing about Florida is that weather there is really unpredictable. It's like Mother Nature is so wild down there. It's like, man, ask my buddy Jesse Hernandez. He lives in Miami. Ask anybody you know that lives in Florida. They will tell you, I hate the weather. It rains every day. Mosquitoes, flies. Florida is a scrubland. It's a swampy piece of crap. Other than the spaceport, Florida is pretty much a swampy piece of crap. And the weather can be very unpredictable, which is why they had to do a second attempt at launch for the Falcon 9 rocket. I think we could launch a rocket, preferably from a place like Toledo, Ohio, maybe a plain state in the Midwest like Illinois or Indiana. Yes, I said Indiana. And we could use different places, you know, we could learn to launch from places other than Florida or California. And Air Force bases should not be a must for the locations. Unless you're talking, well, Colorado is too mountainous. And I can understand why they wouldn't want Colorado, but there are plenty of places. You could build a spaceport in Denver. Uh, Moss Eisley Spaceport, Denver, maybe? Ah. Uh. And the other thing about Denver is our weather is very, very dry, which is fine for space. I mean, traveling through space requires perfect weather. And the weather has to be... You can't have these stupid anvil clouds in the way. Now, somebody would have to tell me or correct me on the whole weather issue... But I do think that the weather should be um, perfect, but cannot be as unpredictable as Florida. California is a little bit too arid, and it can also get pretty warm. It has its own monsoon season as well. Arizona might be another option, but again, the monsoons, they get pretty bad, and they got like a desert climate. I have friends who live down in Arizona, But yeah, I I think the space program could learn to launch from other locations other than Florida or California. Now, Brevard County is also not a very ideal place to live either. And I hate to say it about my own county, but it's like... (sighs) Very personal reasons why I cannot go back to that county. And the launch of these rockets from a place like that... It just tells you where Florida's priorities are. Florida guardianships. I hate to discuss this on my podcast, but we need to defund parts of a program in in Brevard County. Now that we have the private companies in charge of space travel, I think NASA could defund the program for, say, Mars travel because... That's not really a priority right now. And I think that Mars is also very arid. It's a red planet. Who's going to live on Mars? We don't have any little green guys up there. Marvin the Martian sure don't exist. So why go there? Seriously, it's like... And the other thing is we need to make sure the space program can welcome more types of people. I understand that the astronaut core of today is usually made up of 
And it, it's not exactly much different from when it was like the 1980s and 90s when the shuttles were being launched and stuff. For example, I think Christina Kotcher might have been like a, what was she, like a NASA scientist or some kind of, usually these people are like Navy personnel, Army personnel. They have military med experience and other experiences that a blind person can never obtain. So what we need to start doing is think about, and I think Mike Mullane did it best in one of his books, but we need to put people who can't walk into outer space. We need to be able to make people who can't walk welcome into the space training because being paralyzed really sucks, especially when there's gravity involved. Mike Mullane, one of the astronauts that joined the previous astronaut corps, wrote a beautiful memoir about his days in space. My brother got to read it. And one of the biggest things that struck me about this book was Mike said that you don't have to have legs in outer space. So why aren't we putting people in wheelchairs in outer space? People with cerebral palsy could possibly get space therapy out of it. We could take people with disabilities like my buddy, well, I don't want to say friend, but some of my comrades with disabilities might understand this, but I think we need to put people like, oh yeah, my friend, uh, God, I'm trying to think of who has CP that I know. Um, well, there are lots of Conrads that I know who have CP, but there's a girl named Caitlin, and I think she could use that trip to space. She could float easily in outer space. She could eat her own food, not have to worry about food implements as much. She could easily do the training and do the normal things and the necessaries and stuff. I think it would be fun. And she would be the first disabled woman in outer space, if all goes well. But the other thing is, I think blind people should be allowed to go to outer space as well. The reason being is, I think that blind people would have a lot to offer the astronaut corps as far as how to make flights, like flight stuff and like ships accessible. Because you know what? When astronauts go blind, if the power goes out, like in Apollo 13, which I'll discuss later, if the power goes out in your little command module and stuff like that, you would have somebody who could guide you through the process of A, fixing... Well, you you can fix the power all you want, but if the lights go out, you can learn to do things non-visually, and blind people might have to do the non-visual techniques in space. And I think that would be really amazing. The other thing is, I don't want to see any funding for this mission to Mars business until blind and visually impaired people are guaranteed not to be left behind on this ruined planet. And I hate to say it, but I think this planet is ruined. I mean, look at Greta Thunberg. I think she's correct in the climate change thing. She's a teenager. I get it. But the Thunberg family has said enough. And they've spoken, okay? I I get what Greta is saying about the climate crisis. And I think that because of the climate crisis, we need to think of ways to work around it, to adapt. And there's also a really interesting movie that I'll talk about um, in just a bit called um, the, what is it called? Waterworld. And it's about basically the polar ice caps melting and stuff. And people adapting and becoming water dwellers. I think that's going to be really weird, unfortunately. And I think it would be extremely weird if people started living underwater. It would be just freaking weird. Freaking weird. I'm sorry, people. I I couldn't find myself living underwater. And honestly, how could I sing or play the drums? God forbid, I'd rather have a floating city rather than have to go under the water. Now there are some tribes, like, I can't remember what tribes, there is a certain gypsy tribe that literally lives on the ocean and 
Now, I know this may not have anything to do with the space program, but we may have a lot more people like this if NASA can't figure out how to fix the damn polar ice caps and get climate back on track. But global warming is a natural thing and it's going to happen, but I think that we can minimize the climate thing by doing a lot more for our planet. But I don't want to see anything about Mars in the funding for NASA because Mars is not a priority unless we include others who are not members of the astronaut corps and people who are not Navy, military, army, whatever, because those people can see they are also healthy. They can take jobs elsewhere. I think we need to have what some might call a ragtag band of individuals up there on Mars. But I also think we need to come up with faster ways to travel through space. I don't know if we'll ever get hyperspace, like, you know, the Millennium Falcon, Star Wars. I've got a lot of sci-fi guide templates that I could think of, but I don't think we'll ever have a Starship Enterprise. I'm sorry, we never will. Not unless we can come up with different physiological ways to get the hell off this planet faster and not have to worry about cryogenically putting people to sleep and other weird stuff. Now, will we ever meet E.T.? I don't know. But I do think that we, as a people, as a nation, owe it to ourselves to improve upon the space program so that more different types of people can access the wonders of the celestial heavens, of the celestial bodies of, you know, the moon and Mars. If you want to do all that stuff, that's all well and good, NASA, but you know what? You really need to have more different types of people interested in that kind of stuff. We need to get African-American males. We need to get blacks, blind folks, women. We need to appeal to all different races and all different faces. And we cannot only have white kids learning about space. Because just wait till my children arrive into this world. I will not let them go without learning about science and aerospace science and things like that. I'm actually going to have to devise a curriculum that, you know, requires... Now, if I were a teacher and I were to devise a curriculum like this, one of the things they're going to have to learn is that, you know, (laughs) these kids are going to be mixed race, so I'm going to make them watch different things tailored to their educational needs. They're going to need to learn that racism has never really left the United States. There are more incarcerated black males here in the United States than there were slaves in the 1860s of the Civil War. Now, my hope is that as a blind person and hopefully as a mother, I can do right by my, you know, future kids. And they're going to have to also learn about, you know, Neil Armstrong and all the... We did put a man on the moon, but we need to put a woman on the moon. And I think that as Americans, we owe it to ourselves to do more for women and minorities. And I think that we could put a bi or gay woman on the moon. That would be real nice. And that reminds me, this month is Pride Month. And I will be discussing that possibly in the future. But I'd like to give a shout out to my gay and trans friends out there in Denver And those who would like to listen to my podcast, you can do so through Apple Music and Spotify and other things. Um, If you would like to leave some feedback about what I just said, please go to denverqueen.com or you can be cool like the guy you're about to hear in the next uh, little segment. Um, Yeah. (laughs) You go to denverqueen.com and click the email address where the podcast is. The email address, just so you know, you want to look for the email address of denverqueen at gmx.com. And or you can also leave a voice message right here on Anchor. The only way that you can leave a voicemail is that it has to be 60 seconds long. Thank you, Anchor, for being cool. 
But um, Jesse left me a lovely voicemail and I'm going to play it for you now because I um, I want to let everybody know that Jesse had to let his domain go bye-bye, but I'm actually going to see what you listeners think of having my friend Jesse on to discuss gaming concepts, and I'm actually going to try to tie it in with some of the women and minority rights that I discussed. Things like, you know, gaming and disabled people, gaming and flight simming, and what does that mean for us as a, you know, a future-looking people? Um, disclaimer, all of the things I just said here are my opinions, and yes, this does not necessarily reflect, you know, badly upon one podcast or another, but these are solely my opinions. You can disagree with my opinions all you want, but you need to back it up with facts. I'm going to ask everybody to please, if you're sending me an email or leaving a voicemail, please back it up with facts. And I need links to articles. Do not mention the Lisa Nowak case when dealing with, you know, blind people and disabled folks in space. Lisa Nowak seriously snapped because obviously I think she probably knows something that people don't understand. But the other thing that I want people to understand is that that case is very old. And I remember that case well, but it's been years. And there's just been too much stuff that people have attacked me for. Whether it's my partner or whatever. And I I just want people to be respectful And please back up all disagreements with facts. I will look into your facts. Also, I think another improvement... Now, the space program has been great about, you know, finding inventions, smaller chips for all of our smart things and everything like that. But I do want to say that the space program could do more for the disabled, healing those who are completely paralyzed without the need for a big exoskeleton suit. I mean, yes, I know that's the trend. But I think that the space program could do more for those who, up to now, might be spending 24 hours a day being cared for by a nurse in a home. Or having to go to a rest home because no one wants to take care of them and stuff. And I think that the space program could give greater independence and freedom to those with disabilities, and I think we need to spend more time doing that than simply putting two white males in a rocket and having them go to Mars or the moon. And I think that we also have... We've achieved something great with that female spacewalk, but, you know, personally, I think we really need to make this program more of an accessible... educationally more accessible to those who are African-American... Hispanic, indigenous, blah, blah, blah. You know what I'm saying? And so, okay. Uh, On with the podcast, I guess. On to the next thing. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to discuss a few movies that accurately portray space program type things. And content warning, all this contains spoiler alerts. So if you don't want to hear this, sorry. (laughs) But I'm going to try to refrain from doing spoilers as much as I can. But I'm going to talk a little bit about Apollo 13, which happens to be one of my dad's and I's favorite movies. It's kind of weird. This is based on Jim Lovell's book, The Lost Moon. And Jim Lovell was one of... Okay. Ken Mattingly was supposed to go up. But in the movie, as you as you also know, in the movie and in real life, Mr. Mattingly basically ended up... But he was exposed. And this was back when the measles did not... People didn't really take the vaccine as seriously as they're supposed to do. 
I think there are still some problems with that even today because there was that measles outbreak a couple of years ago. Okay. Um, but Mr. Mattingly was supposed to go up, but nope, he didn't. So they replaced him with, I believe it was Jack Swaggart. Yeah, Jack Swag. There is a Jack Swaggart. And... And then there's a Fred Hayes who actually has a Colorado connection and I'll talk about that in a little bit too. Um, The making of the movie was pretty cool. Um, A lot of it was extremely accurate. Like I discussed in a prior segment, the astronauts bathroom routine kind of made its way into the damn movie. I don't know how. But the guy says, oh, yeah, Constellation, you Ryan. And he tosses a big bag of pee out there. That's how they had to do it. It was, ew, it was disgusting, but they had to. I mean, how do you do that? I mean, in space, where the hell is a lavatory? But there wasn't. Shuttles, however, developed a lavatory. I don't know how they do bathrooms. I don't know how they do bathrooms on the International Space Station. But I would love to ask someone at NASA to explain that stuff. Maybe my dad knows something. I don't know. But um, but definitely the Apollo program life was very well done. I mean, there was a, one of the most accurate damn movies I have ever seen. And Cape Canaveral, Florida was also a site for filming. And they also had to do a soundstage. I think they did a lot of the soundstage stuff in the Vomit Comet. And that was really cool. My dad was explaining all that stuff. Um, Tom Hanks plays Jim Lovell. But I also think that um, Tom Hanks has done some pretty amazing stuff. All kinds of movies. Um, But Jim Lovell and Jack Swaggart and Fred Hayes were the three-man crew who went up... Now, the plot... the, the synopsis of the movie goes something like this. You got these three little astronauts. They go up to the moon. There were a lot of 13s on this. You'll hear about that in the movie. So I would go watch this. But this is about how the astronauts survived a near miss, like a near hit with disaster in the Apollo 13. They almost died and they still made it home. But please watch it anyway. Seriously. You guys need to watch it because it's a really, it would be a really good educational moment for everyone. So watch the movie and you'll see. Um, There's actually an Apple TV Plus series I have not touched yet called For All Mankind, which is about what if the Russians had gone to the moon instead of us? And I think people have actually asked themselves that question quite a bit so I think Apple went in and told that story brilliantly as they also have with another show that I'll discuss in another episode called C which is about blindness and all that Um, but back to Apollo 13 and there is another movie book well there's another movie phenomenon it's a new Netflix show called Space Force If you guys want to watch that, it's really good. There's a lot of accuracies with that one, too. POTUS is code for President of the United States. Lots and lots of code and army stuff is used in this one. Not top secret, thank goodness, but it's like I was hearing quite a few different things at the beginning of this first episode. And it, it just sounded like they were on another planet. But it was, it's, everything is made up. All the characters are fiction. But this begs the question, will we be able to put American boots on the moon? Can we put boots on the moon, American boots on the ground on the moon? Can we do that? As I said in my prior Segment. I think we need to put a woman on the moon, not a white guy, but maybe a black lady. That'd be real nice. We put a black woman on the moon. Yeah, we can do that. And she'll have, um, yeah, she'll have a lot more. But uh, getting back to Apollo 13 for the second time, um, 
I would highly recommend Apollo 13. I believe the rating is PG-13, however. And unfortunately, kids, you're not going to be able to watch it because there is quite a bit of language. A little bit of some really disgusting stuff. But I would recommend watching this if you were about 12 years old, 13. Parents, if you want your 13-year-old child to watch this, feel free. But um, the Classification Rating Administration, the CRA rating is, I believe it's PG-13. And there is a lot of real-life depictions in this movie that are quite accurate and it's mostly the space aero whatever dynamics and aero aeronautic crap that's in there that's really accurate um the way the apollo astronauts were monitored was also accurately portrayed houston was accurately portrayed in a way i think that marilyn lovell the wife of Jim Lovell was portrayed pretty, well, I guess, close to it because um, she was, she, her, her actress, I don't know who played Marilyn, I don't know, but spoiler alert, she was worried that her husband would not come home. And there was a time when, language alert, she goes, I don't want to hear that NASA bullshit. Where's my husband? If I may paraphrase her line, I don't remember. I forgot what she says, but please watch Apollo 13. It is an amazing movie. Please watch it. I'd give it about five stars because it's one of the most accurate movies among historical accuracy, accuracy of how it portrays the space program as it was back in the 1960... Oh, God. Eight, nine, whatever. Um... About the 1960s and 70s, it was really, really interesting. But um, how many of you guys are wondering if we're ever going to have a movie about Bob and Doug and their their launch? Um, Yeah, I think we're going to have a movie rights negotiation for the thing about the Falcon 9 launch. And I think it's going to be a pretty interesting one. As long as we have an accurate portrayal of that, too, we're going to have some serious educational stuff to unpack and there's a lot of things we're going to be able to do um books about space would i recommend um i think mike Mullane. i don't remember the the book but if you want to kind of tie into the apollo program please read jim lovell's lost moon i believe that the lost moon is available barred i'll have to go check and take a look but jim lovell's book is amazing And it's about the Apollo mission that he almost died in. Um, But please read Jim's book and watch the movie and then you'll understand more. But, you know, I think it was a really great adaptation from book to screen. Um, I can't remember which pictures did this, but there's, I think it might have been Universal Pictures. God, I don't know. But, um... But, um, yeah, Apollo 13, definitely big on the space movies watch list. Um, future movies, would I recommend? Um, let's see, space has really been a part of pop culture for a lot of reasons. And I think Star Trek predicts a lot of things. If you guys are Trek fans, this is your little moment here, but I would recommend... Star Trek, just try the Gene Roddenberry Star Trek, and then there's actually a few different, um, there's this one, oh god, which one, uh, Star Trek The Voyage Home, it was dedicated with love to the Challenger astronauts who died in the Challenger accident, and it was a really nice little dedication to them. You guys should check that one out, too, because, like, there's a little thing at the beginning. It says, dedicated with love to the astronauts in the Challenger shuttle, blah, 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 blah. And and then it says, you know, their souls will reach us in the 23rd century and beyond, which is extremely important. 
And I think that's very important. It's just as powerful as the statement I said in the beginning of my other thingy. When they said, like, you know, the um, they left the surely bonds of earth to touch the face of God. These people, not only that, but the Columbia astronauts have touched the face of God. And they left the surely bonds of earth. Yes, they did. Um, but Star Trek has also predicted things about our society. Like, a female leader is... Fi- now, I know that Trenton does not like Star Trek Voyager much. But I do think we need to have a Catherine Janeway in real life. Female starship captains are an incredible need right now. And we eventually did have a shuttle commander, Eileen Collins, and of course, Sally K. Ride. She, those were very big pioneers and trailblazers and women in space and everything. Um, I'm just a little upset that Valentina Kurishkova was the first female in space, period, because, well, duh, she was part of the Soviet pawn state, really. I, I I, mean, honestly, that was back in the time when we were just like, oh, we hate the Soviets and blah, blah, blah. The Cold War was all about democracy versus communism. And I think the Moon Program gave us a big-time score. Look at History 101 on Netflix as well. There's a little episode about space race. So check that one out. It's a really good little brain teaser for people that want it. Um, accurate space portrayals. Um, I think that the Apollo 13 is definitely number one on my list. Uh, number two on my list. God, Armageddon and Independence Day are pretty weird movies, mind you. The Independence Day franchise with Independence Day and Independence Day Resurgence really didn't do aliens any justice. And to be quite honest, um, is there life out there? You might ask me, but truth is, I don't think life is out there. We could be alone in the universe, but if you're an astronomer, please feel free to correct me on this because... If I find anything out there, it's got to be, you know, and I think there's another um, movie about a woman who uh, basically wants to find her dad or find life out there. And I don't know. I don't know what it is, but they had, I think she went through a wormhole and I can't remember what that stupid woman woman's movie was called, man. <sighs> Shoot. I don't remember who it was. I don't remember what it was, but it was a woman that wanted to find life in the universe and everything like that. And then, you know, she picked up on a signal and it was really weird. Um, um, if we do pick up on alien signals, I hope it's not those squishy alien people from Jimmy Neutron Boy Genius. And if you guys have ever watched that one, oh my god, I know it's a kid's movie, but please, people, I don't want to see unconventional bodies hanging around here. We're all made of carbon and, you know, carbon dioxide exhaling bodies, whatever and stuff, but I don't want my friends and family to be sacrificed to some evil, vicious alien god. And that was what happened almost in the Jimmy Neutron movie. But, you know, you never know. We might find aliens who are as friendly as... I think we might find aliens that are almost like... And there are some good sci-fi series if you want to get into sci-fi books. I'd recommend the Acorna series because it ventures beyond the whole let's fight a bunch of people in outer space thing. There's a heroine in that series who is an actual Lignari, which is like a race of aliens from a different planet called Velignar. And you guys need to check that thing out. Velignar is an amazing little figment of um, Anne McCaffrey's imagination. But boy, she knows how to make this world as accurate and as beautiful as possible. Um, 
I think she's predicting a lot in history, but I do think that Anne McCaffrey herself might want to consider a trip to the moon. Eh? But I do think if she, st- if she were still alive, man, I don't know if she's still alive. It's been so long since I've seen a book by her, but there are people who really adore her Pern books. I do. And there's actually the Harper Hall trilogy that's really neat where, you know, it's, there's just so much that she's written and she's gotten like Hugo and Nebula awards for all her stuff. Um, but yeah, um, there's also a really great book of short stories. Uh, the sci-fi short stories collected by John Joseph Adams are really great books. You can check out lots of different sci-fis. Go back as far as the 1950s and find those type of books. Because I want you guys to look at how far we've actually come and how far they were thinking we were going to go. As far as like the 1950s and 60s and whatnot. Um, all right, time for feedback. I'm going to play a voicemail and I'm going to respond to a piece of feedback I received from my friend Jesse. All right. Hey, what's up, Beth? It's me, Jesse. How are you? Um, just heard a little bit of your podcast. It's pretty neat. Um, I ended up taking my domain down and everything. I'm just going to let it expire. Uh, that's money that I could be saving right now. But I'm going to start doing some more podcasts on Anchor and stuff, uh, especially since I can upload files to the uh, to the uh to the thing via the dashboard on the website um and it's and it's owned by spotify so you know i have spotify premium and stuff like that so um i think we have some advantages if we have spotify i forgot but um yeah man keep up the good work and if you ever want to have me on your podcast let me know And if you'd like to be cool like Jesse and you want to be on my podcast, please feel free, uh, Jesse, I'm going to respond to what you said. Um, I'm sorry your your thing is down or that you're going to let the thing expire. And I'm really glad that you're saving money. And I think that's what everybody should be doing these days. Saving money is so important. But you know what, Jesse? I'm not Sue Zorman. I'm not going to be able to do finance stuff on here because I'm not Sue Zorman. I'm not as smart as she is. I think Sue Zorman has some pretty good advice on books, in books that she's written and stuff. And I think the Dave Ramsey show kind of recommended Sue Zorman and then I started looking at her books. I was like, what? Okay. Well, anyway, Jesse, I'll be glad to save you a spot on my podcast, but please email me at denverqueen at gmx.com Or you can always hit me up some other way, like, you know, phone, message, whatever. Tell me what you want to talk about, and I'll arrange a time and date. Let's arrange a time maybe next week, because I've got things to do this week. Um, That would be, uh, um, what is it? I've got some telemed things to do on Thursday, and I want to keep Friday open for some serious video research things and you know I have to do some compooper things for my complete control midi fuckalaka whatever (laughs) um thank you for your message Jesse and if you'd like to be cool like Jesse and you want to leave me some feedback here's how you can do it you can send me an email at denverqueen at gmx.com You can also request an interview with me that way as well. You can also hit me up on Twitter, Facebook, that is if you're good, and other means of communication. Um, DenverQueen.com is pretty much your one-stop shop. I also have a WordPress blog, which I will be writing. There's lots of things I've written in the blog, but I think I need to write more in the blog as I go on. But, um... 
you you are not able to comment on the blog because there were a lot of trolls that did and I just can't afford it really. Um or you can leave a 60 second minimum maximum voicemail on the uh Anchor app and you do need the Anchor app to leave a voicemail for the podcast itself. And you just might get your voicemail published, like Jesse has, on my podcast, and I will respond to your feedback. So thank you so much to the people and others that might be sending me feedback. Um, I really could use some feedback, constructive only, on this podcast. Please make sure that you do not leave trolling comments, disrespectful stuff, and there is no sexual advancement allowed on the podcast as well. I'm just making this real clear because I want to make sure that everybody knows what is and isn't acceptable to be left on the podcast. This is how you are to contact me. Go to denverqueen.com. Send me an email at denverqueen at gmx.com. That's D-E-N-V-E-R-Q-U-E-E-N, all one word, at gmx.com. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening to The Throne Room with Beth Tarasi. And have a great, well, Wednesday and rest of your week. Stay safe, and I don't want to bail nobody out of jail, so y'all just stay safe. <laughs>